Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Orstano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I played Billy Riggins. The assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. If you want to support our show, subscribe for free to our YouTube channel where you can access exclusive content. We have a YouTube handle that makes it easy to find us. That's youtube.com slash at Clear Eyes Full Hearts. We are also continuing to release new episodes of this podcast every other week. That's right. So join us as we recap all your favorite episodes, chat with amazing guests, and answer your questions. Email us what you want to know at ClearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Today, we are talking about Season 5, Episode 11, The March. It was written by Roland Jones and directed by Jason Kadams. Our NBC synopsis reads, The Lions begin their quest for state as the football program is threatened by budget cuts. Meanwhile, Tammy receives the opportunity of a lifetime. There is a ton to unpack in this episode, but before we get into it, we're going to answer some fan questions. I'm excited about this episode just as a little precursor, Stace. This is uh, Jason Kadams directing. And Roland mm-hmm. Jones writing, oh, two of my faves. Two of my faves. All right. Our first question comes from Lou in Memphis, and he writes, During the early days of FNL, did you have to have a second job since you weren't under contract? Also, how early were you notified that you were on the call sheet? If you had that second gig, when were you able to give it up, if at all? That's actually a great question. I had all kinds of odd jobs around that time. My buddy Joey Oglesby, who also played Guy Rasson on the show, he would work for his brother, and his brother would install, like, televisions and, like, high-end stereo equipment for people. And we also had a job of, like, moving people, and we, I mean, just mm-hmm. random jobs. His dad, also Joey's dad, has a log cabin company. He rebuilds log cabins, and he does a lot of construction work. So I did a lot of day laborers type stuff. There was one episode of Friday Night Lights early on in particular where I'd cut my hand on a post hole digger with Joey one day when we were building a fence. And so I remember going to set and I had this big cut on my right hand as I was like on a TV show. We had installed this guy's fence and Joey had said something to this gentleman about me being on a TV show. And so after we installed his fence, I gave him an autograph. It was like the first autograph I'd signed for anyone. But it was just so weird to me that like I am working on a TV show, but I am also helping people move and building fences and helping Joey's dad with construction. So that was my second job basically when the show started, probably somewhere around episode five when my first checks started to cash for the show is when I stopped doing any other jobs. And since then, I haven't Thank God I haven't had to have a second job. It's just been acting since then. Jesus, you are one of the lucky ones. Yeah, I'm very fortunate, and I'm very thankful for that. Trust me, there were years and years and years of bartending, waiting tables, short order cook in college. I was a bag boy at a grocery store when I started out. I was company manager of a theater, which is where I met Derek, because Derek's theater company rented their space from my theater. And so I was always around you and Joey and Steve and everybody. That's how we met. So that was my job, company manager. I loved it. Essentially, I got to like bring actors in from New York and hang out with them all day. It was not a bad little gig. And then I moved to L.A., but even in between jobs there, I always teach. 
acting and dance and music and stuff to the little kids. I even just did it three weeks ago. I did a summer camp here in Hoboken, so it never stopped for me. The other part of that question was how early were you notified that you were on the call sheet? I mean, there are times where I literally got a phone call the day before and they were like, hey, we need you down in Austin. And you hop in a car and drive down. When I moved out to L.A., sometimes they would give me about three days notice beforehand. But then sometimes what would happen is you'd get down there and they'd be like, okay, you're going to be in episode two of season two and you're down there shooting episode two of season two and you're only supposed to be down there for four days. So you don't pack a big suitcase. You just get a carry-on and you don't have a car when you're in Austin. And so I'd be at the hotel and then I'd get a phone call and they'd say, hey, by the way, uh, you're in episode three of season two as well. And you're like, oh, and they're like, yeah, so you're going to be in Austin for another two weeks. And you're like, oh, I bought four shirts and four pairs of underwear and four pairs of socks. And I am going to need to make a target run. Uh So Taylor Kitsch was a huge help back then because he would, you know, pick me up and I'd go buy underwear. I did a lot of washing of underwear in the sink. Oh, yeah. A lot of washing of socks in the sink. Yeah. And then you get that hair dryer, blow it dry. Mm -hmm. Or just hang it out to dry. Yeah. I still do that in hotels, though. I mean, my hotel when I'm in Hawaii doing NCIS is just underwear hanging all over the place and socks hanging everywhere. Incredibly sexy. It's real sexy. It's a sexy mm-hmm. job that we have, Stace. I mean, anyone who I know, thinks it's not like sexy. There's like nothing oh, yeah. glamorous about it. The only time it's glamorous is if it's like red carpet award. It's the only yes. time this job is glamorous. Yeah. Nothing about it is There's nothing like glamorous about, like, especially when you look at this episode and you see the amount of sweat on people's faces and it's 105 degrees outside. But it's supposed to be fall, so you're dressed like it's fall. You're wearing a flannel shirt mm. in 105 degree heat. Yeah, it's <laughs> not glamorous. I love it. I mean, I love this business. But yes, so thank God I haven't had to have a second gig in almost 15 years. Oh, Great good. question, though, Lou. Keep them coming. Thanks, guys. Our next question comes from Dawn, who says, Most people look up to Coach and Tammy and idolize their marriage. It's a good one, but I admire Billy and Mindy's. Aww. Coming from a small town ourselves, my husband and I are much like the Riggins. I love that their love is real. As goofy and tacky as it is, sometimes it's real. Truth. Two of my favorite scenes in the entire series are when Mindy gets so emotional when Becky goes back to her mom in the last episode, and then it's just Billy and Tim working on the house. Derek, you're correct with that 12th man. My question for you both is, how did it feel for your characters to come up from the background and play such an integral part in the show? Has that opportunity given you inspiration on other projects, knowing that those characters are the foundation for all the others? Ooh, first of all, thank you. Jesus. Yeah, thank you so much. Here's how it felt for me, personally. I am the luckiest son of a bitch in the entire world that season four and five came to fruition from me coming on as a two-day hire. (laughs) If I think about it, wrap my head around it, on a network show where we were like all close in family and we still got to be here, I just feel like the luckiest person in the entire world. Same thing, Stace. I mean, my situation's a little different because I'd seen the movie and Tim McGraw has a huge part in the movie and there's a lot of great story around those two characters. And so I thought, okay, well, if they even attempt to have that similar kind of story, but this time it being an older brother, surely there's no reason to get rid of me. They're only going to get rid of me if I'm a jerk or if my storyline's just not working. And I felt pretty confident that if this show went and I didn't get fired after the pilot, I had a good shot at this being a pretty important career opportunity for me. Even though on the pilot I literally was in one scene, I still thought this could be huge. This could be a big deal. Taylor and I hit it off right off the bat, which was also a big blessing. 
I got along so well with everybody. I honestly didn't know that this character was going to be, you know, 65 out of 75 episodes or whatever it was. Something like that. I don't know. It might have been 60 out of 75 or something. But regardless, I had no clue it was going to be that big. I didn't know that I was going to be on contract. I didn't know that that was all going to come to fruition. On every job that I go in now where it's just a little one episode guest star, you don't know what it's going to be. So go in there, own your scenes, play the action, serve the story, be a joy to work with. Don't be a, a butthead. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, guys, I'm telling you right now, sometimes it just comes down to that. Do we want to work with this person again? People didn't come back to our show because they just couldn't play in that space. Yeah. I do. I feel like I'm the luckiest actress in the world. But also there was something very, very cool about the writers and the producers and the people running the show looking at us and being like, oh, hey, Stacey and Dare can really hold this stuff that we're giving him. Well, we're going to yeah. throw even more at him and see if they can do it. And we kept living up to the expectations, which just also, I'm glad I'm good at my job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another thing, to be honest with you, is that I've always looked at it as an audition process. It's like, it doesn't stop. You're still auditioning even when you've got the job, you know? Okay, you got the job. Great. So what is that? You've got a guarantee of one episode? Well, if you come on set and you're a jerk to people, you're not easy to work with, you don't know your lines, and then on top of it, you're not prepared and you're not good in your scenes, they're not going to ask you back. They're not going to bring you back. Mm, you're just a waste of money. Yeah, you're just a waste of money. You're a waste of people's time. So I knew going into this, this could be potential to be a big, huge deal. So I went in there every day. I worked my butt off. I made sure that I was the guy who knew his stuff backwards and forwards. I'd had an idea of what I wanted to do with the scene. I was making strong choices, all that stuff, you know. And I think, as Stacy said, when the writers see that, specifically, let's talk about this episode. Rollin Jones is a guy who became yeah. kind of a champion for Stacy and I both. Yeah. And if you go back and look at all of the episodes that Rollin Jones wrote, Billy has some great stuff in a lot of those episodes. And so does Stacy. He put us in all of his episodes. Yeah. And so David Hudgens was a big champion of mine. Rollin mm -hmm. Jones was a big champion of mine. Carrie Aarons, Bridget Carpenter. I feel like all yeah. the writers kind of had my back. And so that's my point is that every day that I had an opportunity, every time that I had a scene, it was like, I got to hit this out of the park. First round draft pick on a baseball team is going to get an opportunity to play regardless of whether or not he's doing well or not. But when you're a guy who's been in the minors for 10 years and you come up and they give you an opportunity, you got to perform when you get to the plate. Uh -huh. Otherwise, you're going right back down to the minors. And so it's kind of the same kind of analogy here, you know, when it comes to TV. It's you're not on contract. We're giving you an opportunity. If you show us that you can do a good job with the work we're giving you, then there's going to be an opportunity for you to come back. John Hamm once said, even when he was like series regular number one on the call sheet, that he felt like his job on a TV show is to get out of the way of the moving train. And I totally sure. get it. And that like everything around you that is happening is so important. The script and then the coming in and the building the set and the things that are happening and the lighting that's going on around you. And he steps into that super prepared, says his stuff, and then gets out of the way and things move around again. And I also get that thing yeah. of like, this train is running. And if I mess up, that train derails. So my job is to just yeah. get out of the way of the moving train. I totally it's an get interesting it. thing when you put it that way, Stacey, because I remember episodes on this show where I would get really, really great material and I'd be really excited about it. And I'd go home and I'd memorize it and I'd go crush it. And in my mind, I'm like, this scene's going to be epic. This scene's going to steal the whole episode kind of thing. And then you watch the whole episode and you're like, no, nah, man, you are just one cog in a massive wheel of really solid, great performances. But I think that that was incentive. And for me, every time I had an opportunity to be on cameras, I got to hit it out of the park. I got to find something special. I got to find something unique. I got to find, I call them salad scenes or steak scenes. And it's, you know, know when it's a steak scene, know when it's a salad scene. 
serve the script. What you got against salad? Nothing wrong with a salad, but you need to realize when it's a salad that you don't try to make it a steak. <laughs> and that's my point is that sometimes these actors come on. Their job is literally to just serve the scene. Mm -hmm. You're just driving action for another character. It's not about you in that moment. Yeah, it's not about you. Don't try to steal focus. Don't try to yeah. one-up the person you're on camera with. Serve the yeah, script. Yeah, serve the script. Serve the actor. Another analogy to baseball is, look, man, there's a runner on first and a runner on second. You're not a traditional home run hitter. Get up there and hit a single. Try to get I on base. I don't, I don't understand. You, you lost me there. Don't always go swinging for the fences. There's an opportunity to get on base. Get on base. Does that make sense, Stace? The last one did not, but I was with you until then. <laughs> All right. Our final question comes from Casey, who says, Derek, who were the crazy high schools you played in Florida back in the day? Was it Pahokee and Belle Glade? When we played them, we had to bring a bunch of law enforcement and get down on the floor of the bus after we made a quick exit. What? Uh, wow. They even flipped our team bus in Pahokee the year after I graduated, and Okeechobee is not good at football, so they crushed us and still threw stuff at us. Oh, my God. Yikes. Guys, I went to a 1A school in Florida, so it's not like we were playing Pahokee or Belle Glade. We did play a team called Glade's Day, which was in Belle Glade, and we played them in regionals, and they beat the crap out of us. But the teams that I was talking about, it was always difficult whenever you went on like road games and we would play down at Coral Shores, which is down in the Keys, or in Marathon, which is down in the Keys. These are smaller towns in the Keys and there's not a lot going on on a Friday night. Everybody in town comes out to the game. Everybody's been out on the boat drinking all day. I cannot picture a high school football game in the Keys. That just blew my mind. Yeah. There's real life in the Keys. The, you drive on the bus over the bridge, over yeah. the bridge, and then over you're there. The bridges. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That just blew my mind. And it's a long drive, too. It was like a three and a half hour. Yeah, I've done I think it. it was almost like a five hour drive to Marathon yeah. when you're on the bus. At least it seemed that way when I was a kid. It's probably like an hour. <laughs> That's amazing. But I do remember their fans, like the stadium was always fully packed with obnoxious, loud, drunk fans. Those were always tough environments. We didn't have any like altercations with Glades Day, the school from Belle Glade. We didn't have any altercations with them. They just beat the crap out of us. They were just a way better team than we were. Yeah, they didn't need to toss your bus because you guys sucked. No, we didn't suck. We just weren't as good as they were. It was regional, Stacey. We won districts. Some people will call that sucking semantics, Derek. We won districts, Stace. We just didn't win regionals. Take it down. Whatever. I want to watch this episode. Speaking of regionals and state and districts and all that stuff. Let's get into it. I know I've harped on this a million times. I love this opening montage of the outskirts of Austin slash Dillon, Texas. Our second unit, once again, I just want to sing their praises. They do such a great job of making Dylan seem like a real place. All those little ma and pa shops, all these great vistas of Austin, Texas, and Texas in general. Once again, I know I've said it a million times on this podcast, but you can't replicate this. You're not going to be able to find that in the outskirts of Los Angeles. It just really sets this show apart. And I think what's really fascinating about it is we haven't seen a lot of that on camera. It just sets me up to like sit in and be ready to watch Friday Night Lights too. Right. In a way that I wasn't prepared for when I started the show. I'm like, oh, right. This is where I am. This is my safe zone. Yeah. Right off the bat, you're like, oh, that's right. Yeah. We're in Dylan. Yeah. That's just it. They call that's it an establishing shot for a reason, you know? Ooh, it really okay. establishes mm -hmm. this environment. Would you like another baseball analogy, Stace? I really wouldn't. Okay. Let's move on then. <laughs> I don't have one. I was just asking. Okay, good. I... 
don't remember this scene that we did at all. What is it? Is it Tim's birthday? No, it's not his birthday. It's his get out of jail party. We made him blow out candles on a cake because he got out of jail. Yes. That seems mean. I don't know that it's mean. I don't remember shooting that. You know what's weird, Stace? There's a picture online of me and Tim from this scene, but it's weird because I've got my own personal harness boots on uh-huh. that I wore with my motorcycle. I remember this scene for that reason and that reason alone because we were shooting it and my boots hadn't landed yet. I had just come from base camp or something like that and I had my harness boots on and I remember Stephanie, our costume supervisor, goes, those aren't your wardrobe boots. And I go, I know, I know. I said, they'll be coming soon. And I said, we're not going to see him anyway. They had a camera crew on set and they took a photo and there's a photo of Billy in my personal boots. And I was like, oh. Stephanie Steele is so Steele's mad about that. Be so mad. Stephanie Steele is one of the unsung heroes of Friday Night Lights. Oh my God. She saves everybody's butt. Yeah. What's in your pocket? Are those cigarettes? Get the cigarettes out of your pocket. <laughs> Billy doesn't smoke. Oh yeah, you're sorry. Sorry, Steele. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Get the cell phone out of your pocket. We can see the cell phone in your... Oh, sorry, sorry. Your shirt's untucked. Your belt's... Un... We got to get this flappy shirt down. She was also on set with Jesse when they announced his Oscar nomination. Working on that movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, that's like, awesome. like, like next to Jesse that same day. Very, very yeah, cool. Stephanie Steele was one of my favorites on the show. She mm-hmm. was always great to be around. Fun time. I would like to take a minute. Mm-hmm. I just want to give a shout out to one of the unsung heroes of Friday Night Lights, Kyle Chandler's hair. I'm sorry. It's just a work of art. It's, it's really beautiful. absurd. This scene, I was oh, thinking just him in the office or whatever, talking to the boys, but the hair is gorgeous. And the worst part about it is like, you remember this, Stace, he would come into the makeup trailer and grab some goop, you know, some kind of, yeah. that was basically the extent of his up. hair and makeup. And he'd be like, and walk out. Yeah. I'm sitting there for 30 minutes to an hour trying to get pretty and it just didn't work. It's just beautiful. One thing I did want to talk about in this scene, we always talk about the show as being a show that's not about football, and this goes to show once again that it is not a show strictly about football. Our writers have gotten really, really good about sometimes not even showing us games, which is exactly what happens here. Coach walks into the locker room. It's after a game. We know that the team won, but this just proves once again that football is not the primary focus of this show. As I've said in interviews in the past, Friday Night Lights is as much about football as Grey's Anatomy is the practice of medicine. It's about relationships. It's about families in small town. Agreed. Kyle Chandler's hair. So we're saying the same thing. The whole time thing. all she was thinking about was Kyle Chandler's hair. Essentially Derek saying the same thing as me. You're right. The show's not about football. It's about Kyle Chandler's hair. It's about Kyle hair. Chandler's hair. And Connie's hair. And Connie's hair and Connie's arms. In this uh. next scene, her arms were ripped and I was staring at them. But aside from that, did not know, because again, guys, haven't watched it. Don't know what happens in this show. Didn't know Tammy got a job offer. I know what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was like dean of a small college offer. Yeah. And I get it. it. I was like, wait, I don't get it. I don't get how it happened. But then when she went to the meeting and she started talking about test scores, I was like, oh, it's from that panel that she did. Yeah. That she was saying the smart stuff. I get it. I like the through line. Way yeah. to go, writers. 
This nice is also one, the yeah. first mention of East Dillon potentially having to close its doors. The powers that be in the school district are saying there's not enough money to keep East Dillon open. So just remember that, guys. A little foreshadowing. This is going to pop back up and be a big, big event for the next two or three episodes. There's only two or three episodes left. Speaking of foreshadowing, they're talking about Philly and East Coast and blah, 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 whatever. At the end of the scene, Gracie Bell's little voice in the background goes, in the East Coast. And I was like, oh, Oh, you little improv girl with your foreshadowing of what happens in the future. <laughs> you little writer to be. Yeah. Adorable. Well done, Gracie Bell. I wonder how much she got paid for that. Some big coin out of that. All right. This is a <laughs> quick little scene here in Buddy's Bar with Tim behind the counter. I don't think he's working as a bartender. I think he's actually working as a barback. It seems barback. Yeah, right? <laughs> but if you listen closely, you can hear the announcer on the TV say, Smash Williams shows some speed and gets another TD before the half. So Smash Williams is kind of tearing it up right now at Texas A&M. Giggle. And I love this juxtaposition between where Smash is right now in his life and kind of where Tim has ended up. Tim is barbacking at Buddy's Bar, just gotten out of prison. Their lives have turned out very, very differently. And you can't help but feel for Tim because of the choices that he's made that have kind of led him here. Yeah, and then Buddy says something about, like, the fullback looks like him, too. And I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Thank, like, thanks. And I don't think Buddy meant anything personally by it. I just think people say stuff sometimes and they're insensitive. I think he really was moving as well as Tim did. He was an incredible football player. Yeah, like, yeah. Buddy didn't mean anything by that. No, it's, you know, sometimes people say stuff. I had a buddy of mine, and he and his wife were having a difficult time having children People would constantly be like, when are you going to have a baby? And it's like, uh, they've been trying for four years, if you knew anything. So people yeah, have a tendency also, to sometimes be insensitive. Yeah. And I don't think Buddy meant anything by it, but it kind of comes no, off I don't as at like all. nails on a chalkboard if you know what's going on. Yeah, we are, I just have a lot of feelings for Tim right now. Yes. All of the feelings. Yes. For brooding Tim. I enjoyed the scene with the coaches when you guys find out, you know, budget-wise, stuff is hard. <laughs> One of the coaches says, maybe you could melt the weights and sell them for scrap metal. And I liked it because you, well, Billy has a history with taking metal and then turning them into other metal. Well, that's not funny, Stacy. It's not. <laughs> you know, we just talked about people being sensitive to things. Tim just got out of prison. I'm not a sensitive person. No, not at all. Not at all. No. You know, Don't my brother me. was in prison for this, Stacy. Unbelievable. My brother-in-law. I just almost for a minute, I, I wanted in Billy's eyes to be like, oh, oh God, go, go. You know what? Until you mentioned it, I don't think I even put two and two together on that day when we were shooting. No, it. you would, yeah. But yes, in hindsight, I totally think it would have been a great idea to just kind of go eyes wide, like, what? <laughs> Shut up, Stan. We didn't. <laughs> what? Are those weights made out of copper? Why? <laughs> okay, Journey, uh -huh. the actress, Jess. Okay, so Jess asks Coach if she can shadow, but it was specifically from a Journey asking Coach, can I shadow you? She just, she looks up at him and her eyes, and if Journey looked at me with those eyes and asked me, I would give her anything that she wants. How do you say no to that face? You're right. How? You can't. Stacy, I am not a man who can say no to much. I mean, my bulldog, we have to walk by the pet store every single day on the way to the park, uh -huh. and I have to stop in the pet store on the way to the park, uh -huh. and then I have to stop in the pet store on the way back from the park. Yeah, get those treats. I have, I mean, if you look at my bank statements at the end of the month, you know how they give you the little pie chart? There's a whole section that's just treats for my dog. Urban Pet, Los Angeles. If you're ever there, I recommend it. To be fair, you can't not walk by it. Lucy loves the place. We stop in there every single day, twice a day. 
I didn't know it was a thing. So the first time yeah. I walked with Lucy by myself, she was yanking me. And I was like, I don't know if we can even go in there. Why are you? And the sweet lady opened the door and she was like, we give her treats every day. Let Lucy yeah. in. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't quite understand what was happening. Right She's now. got a running account at the place, a running balance. She's got a tab. You just yes. put, it, put it on Lucy's tab. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I'm not kidding. She goes right behind the counter, gets her treats. So, yeah, if Journey was asking me for something, no, I can't say no. I can't even say no to my bulldog. This scene, though, I kind of forgot that Billy... Look, I played Billy as a bit of a male chauvinist pig. You did. I don't know that it was actually written that way, but this is just kind of how I did it. I always just assumed as an actor that Billy kind of was. <laughs> so I played it that way. But Billy laughs when Journey's asking a shadow coach. Watching it as Derek, it was like, oh, dude, what's wrong yeah, with Yeah, but it were... She yeah. can't have everybody on her side. It has to be hard. Ugh. But Billy's such a pig. And that was early days for a girl to be asking that. Yeah. It's less so now. Like, it is a thing, like NFL co coaches and whatever, but... Yeah, there's a few. Then, yeah, she was before yeah, her time. There's female referees mm -hmm. as well. Journey paved the way. Definitely. I do remember there was an article that had come out right around that time. There was a woman, I can't remember if it was a high school or if it was a college, and she was a linebacker's coach, <laughs> which was, like, unheard of. And that might be who Journey's actually referencing in this, you know, just like Law & Order, Stacey, Friday Night Lights was ripped from the headline. Mm -hmm. Well, some stories. Tim says to Becky and Luke as he walks away... Use protection this time. And I am not involved in that, but it hit me in my gut like a punch. Yeah. He's moody. He's a real joy to be around. Prisons made him a, a real fun fella. Super fun time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez Louise, guy. It was a little too harsh, maybe. Yeah, a little harsh, to say the least. The team comes around to the front yard and you pull Tim out you're like you got to see this you got to see this that edit that they do from them doing it on the lawn to them doing it right before they go out onto the field was so good yeah so smooth and like not something Friday Night Lights does a lot we're a little no. more jilty and jumpy than that and I was like oh that was very smooth I like very it. smooth really cool edit I remember when we shot that I love the way that that scene transitioned very cool edit and I'm not gonna lie I got some goosebumps in that moment. The chant does that, though. Yeah. All the players are doing the haka on the front line, and then, boom, it cuts to... There's a close-up. The camera's on Tinker in the front yard doing the haka, mm -hmm. and then, bam, immediately he's in his football gear, and he's in his helmet and shoulder pads, and it's Tinker's face again, and all the players are doing the haka, but this time, it's pre-game. They're in the tunnel. They're about to go out onto the field, and, I mean, the crowd is yelling, screaming. They're throwing stuff. They're throwing peanuts on the players as they go onto the field. It was very cool. My heart rate went up, and I... I got goosebumps. They also did something that was really cool right after that moment. They had the camera angle really, really low. So as the players were coming out onto the field, they looked like giants. You know what the I giants. mean? I love it when they do that. Really, really cool shots there. Jason Kadams, once again, directing this episode. Say, so Kadams. I'm assuming this was all Kadams. Yeah. Kadams and, and Rollin Jones. Kadams and Rollin. Pretty nice little tag team there. Making some pretty things. I do also love that you and Tim are having such a like a weird convo and Tim's so moody, but then he sees the guys doing the haka with you and there's yeah. a tiny smirk. And I was like a glimmer of hope that like Tim isn't completely dead inside. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. 
Ooh. A tiny, a tiny glimmer of hope. I don't know. Okay, again, I don't know the storylines that happen, and I, oh my god. Well, that's what Friday Night Lights does, though. It gives you a little glimmer of hope, and then it tears it away from me because Ornette has been drinking, and he comes over drunk, but then the drugs fell out of his pocket, and I kid yeah. you not, I had to pause the TV and like go, oh god, this is where we're going in front of Vince's mom who's worked so hard to get where she is, and I, like, needed a minute before I could go back to the show. Having come from a family that's battled with drug addiction, this scene always just punches me right in the gut. As much as I've been anti-Ornette from the get-go, I was really hoping for Vince's sake that his dad would be able to turn his life around. And not just for Vince's sake, but for his mom, you know? Yeah. But drug addiction is such a monster. You start to put hope in people again, and then it rips your heart out. And so my fear... You know, Ornette may be lost, but I'm just hoping that Vince's mom is going to be okay. Uh, she can't. They work too hard. And it had been so long since I watched the show, Stace, I forgot that this happened. I mean, you think about Vince watched his best friend get killed because yeah. he was trying to take care of his mom. Like, we can't go back there. We can't. No. That was a lot of drugs. Seemed like that was intent yes. to sell. That yeah. seemed like what For was sure. happening there. Okay. Coach... And Tammy, he's taking her to the airport and a fight breaks out in the car on the way to the airport. And I have yes. never felt more truth in something in couples when you're in a relationship on the way to the airport or especially coming home from the airport. If you haven't seen each other in a while, it's like going to Ikea. Like, you know, a fight's going to happen if you do this. <laughs> Stacy knows this, but you guys might not. This is why I have very strict rules. There's three things I won't do in life. Mm -hmm. I won't pick you up or drop you off at the airport. I won't help you move, and I won't come see your play. I didn't know the last one. Yeah, that's a new one. I might add a fourth one that I won't read your screenplay either. Ooh, I already have that one. Yeah. There's a lot of scripts I don't want to read. A lot of scripts I don't want to read of yours. I don't want to go to see your play and i definitely don't want to read your screenplay i'm also definitely not passing your screenplay on to kyle chandler or yeah taylor i'm kitch, not gonna so hand it to taylor kitch so don't yeah don't i can't get it to adrian palicki so please stop hey so in two weeks you're gonna pick me up from the airport right no chance see you there i think it's rude to ask somebody to pick you up from the airport that's my personal opinion at our age yes <laughs> like when we were poor and couldn't afford ubers yeah but like at our age get a taxi it's not even a matter of financial well-being or not it's offensive because it takes an hour to get to the airport and then i gotta drive around for 30 minutes and it takes an hour so you're telling me that i need to spend two and a half hours to come get you like you're saying that my time is not valuable to you that's what it's saying to me this could be a big argument among people <laughs> i'm completely on your side i don't do it either yeah but this is also probably why i'm single stacy well you and me both we start taking people to the airport where you get married. No. I think that's exactly what happens. Well, we would have to go to Ikea, though. That's different. Oh, no, it's never going to work. Okay. Can't do it. Oh, I forgot about this scene. First of all, I was like, no, Tim can't fight. He's on parole. Don't do anything bad. But then I was yeah. like, oh, God, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And I remember, God, I remember this day watching you two, him getting drugged out of the club, and then you two by the truck, and then the fight, and then you slumping down afterwards. I watched it. You guys did this couple times yeah and i watched all of the takes and it was one of those days where the minute we go out of the club it was everybody i mean it was me and maddie mm -hmm. would give the two of you your space like in between setups when normally we would be joking around and messing with each other like everyone sort of took to a corner you guys didn't ask for space but we gave it to you because this scene was so intense and i just remember by the end of it i was sobbing yeah 
It is an intense scene, and there's so much going on with these two guys. So much that hasn't been said so much. between these guys until this moment. I remember when we were about to shoot this scene, Jason Kadams pulled me aside, and he was like, you know, let's talk about this real quick. And I said, you know, why don't we shoot one? <laughs> and if you don't like it, or if there's something that's not working, maybe we can go from there. But I said, I've got some pretty strong opinions on this, so why don't we just shoot it? And see where we go from there. And he kind of, I mean, I don't want to say got out of our way, but just let us play. This is also one of the wonderful things about Friday Night Lights. And I know I've said this a million times over. These relationships became so honest and so truthful and so real. It, I didn't feel like I had to prepare for this or get into some space, mm -hmm. you know. My relationship with Taylor and my relationship to this character had gotten to the point where I didn't really have to think about it anymore. Yeah. I knew what all the stakes were, you know. Yeah. It's weird to say it, but a fun scene to shoot, too. And I'm so thankful that I get to I have get scenes that. like I this. I viscerally remember that scene. It's yeah. one of the ones that really stuck in me. Yeah. It's like I so vividly, remember I remember. It's hot as hell. God, hot, if you I see how I much literally, I'm I remember the smell yeah. because the landing strip smells like stale beer. And so we would yeah. go from that to the weird musky outside. Like, viscerally, I remember this scene so well. Well, here's something so also, weird. guys. You might not realize this, but like when you go shoot indoors, you have to turn off the air conditioning. <laughs> Because it'll mess up the sound. So it's 105 degrees outside. Everyone's packed into this place. Air conditioning's blasting. And then they yell that they're ready to shoot. So air conditioning goes off. And then, I mean, it gets hot quick. And there's always a smoke machine. Yes. Always a smoke <laughs> machine in bars. But yeah, it gets hot really, really quick. And we have this physical scene outside. I had knee pads on. Because at one point I go down to my knees. So you've got these neoprene knee pads, a flannel shirt. Oh, so much in 105 sweat. degree weather. Oh, God. Plus, you know, I was still drinking back then and not in the best shape of my life. And yeah, I was just pouring sweat. Just an awful, oh, awful God. mess. Yeah, Becky and I weren't wearing anything, so it was way easier. I'm sure I probably went up to Stacy immediately after the scene and like, give us a hug. And she was probably like, that's what I mean by viscerally. I remember the smell of this. That's exactly, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I'll say it. Okay, but too much toxic masculinity to go from. You two doing that straight into this ornate. See, I needed a break and I needed to catch my yes. breath, but I also get why they didn't give that to me. But God, Chris Williams is so good. Yeah, these scenes back to back are just like, <laughs> I got to tell you, when the door comes off the hinges at Vince's house, my heart skipped a beat. And as I said, I mean, I haven't watched the show since it aired. I don't remember a lot of this stuff, but the look on Michael B's face in this scene, it just tears me up because this kid is trying so hard to keep this family together. It's all crumbling down. And then he's got state. No, you know, it's like what we talked about all the time with Saracen back in the day is like, it's just too much. Give too the much kid on these a kids plates. Give them a break. Yeah. One football team, as in one school gets a football team or they're going to make one football team from two schools. They're going to get rid of East Dillon altogether. And combine the two high schools. So under one roof is both high schools. Oh, yes. Jesus. So there would only be one football team. That's so many children. Yes. Ugh. I don't like it. Again, it's just making me think about how smelly teenagers are. There's a lot of smelly teenagers under one building. This whole episode's an all-factory nightmare for Stacy over here. It is for some reason. I'm just in that space. Proud of Vince's mom when she says she needs to take a meeting. And it's yeah. weird to have a feeling of being proud of a not real person. That is a character on TV. When she says she needs to take a meeting, there was also a fear that kind of popped into my head. Like, oh, does that mean she needs mm -hmm. to take a meeting because she's 
thinking about using. And that's kind of what popped into my head. And that scared me. And I'm like, okay, well, Vince is going to be off playing this game. And his mom is hopefully going to be taking a meeting. Yeah. And when she says that, is that actually what she's doing? I had all the same feelings. But if she knew that's what she needed, no matter be it for what, and she did it, that's impressive. At the end of Romeo and Juliet, there's always this moment where I'm like, maybe they'll survive this time. Mm -hmm. You know, spoiler alert, they both die. But there's this vibe that I have every time I see a good production of Romeo and Juliet, even though you know the play backwards and forwards, you're hoping against hope that maybe things will work out right this time. And I kind of feel the same way with Friday Night Lights in the sense that I vaguely remember some of the stories, but some of the stories I know really, really well. And some of the stories, even on the rewatch, I'm just going, please don't go that way. Even though you know what the outcome's going to be, you still find yourself rooting for these characters. That's what I mean. It felt weird to be proud. Yeah. With Vince's mom, I don't remember how this story ends. I don't either. I was like, okay, wait, there's only two episodes left. It can't go bad. It can't go bad. Right. And that's just me being like stupidly optimistic. But it really was just, I know there's only two episodes left. So there's not enough time for things to get really bad, maybe. Hopefully. You never know with Friday Night Lights. This scene with me and Tim at the house, I talked about it, I think, in the last episode. We were yeah. talking about from the get-go, Mindy sees that Tim is a different person. Now she like finally calls him out, but says it, and he's like, yeah, you're right. But it's that these two characters are so similar in their own way, and I love when the writers gave us a minute to play in that space. I just want to pat you on the back here and tell you how awesome you are. You crush that scene. It was sweet. I really like it. It is a beautiful, beautiful scene. I like working with him, though. It's so easy. Yeah. It feels lived in. It feels real. It feels like there's a relationship with these people. And there is. I mean, and some of that is because it was happening off camera that all of us got along (laughs) so well and that all of us genuinely cared about each other and we're good friends yeah stacy i mean you just hit this scene out of the park it hits me in all the feels and going back to that question that we got earlier from lou from memphis these are the moments that we're talking about you were given these opportunities as an actress and especially when you think about where we started on this show and where you started on this show and what was expected of us early on and the stuff that they're giving us by season five i would just come in and be mouthy to tyra now they're like giving me emotional spaces to play in and like that's why i mean when i say i'm the luckiest son of a bitch in the world you're lucky but it's also earned you know what i mean like that's the other thing agreed yes i want you to know that i mean it's not that somebody's just going oh well you're lucky it's not luck what is it they say is luck is preparation meets opportunity or something like that you were given an opportunity you hit it out of the park so it's not lucky Thanks. I don't love that you still keep making a baseball reference when you talk about it. It wasn't baseball. But I appreciate. Oh, I said hit it out of the park. Yes. (laughs) You scored a touchdown on that one, Stacey. Stacey doesn't take compliments well, guys. Know that that's a thing. This is also true. (laughs) I had to look up this actor because he's one of those actors where you look at him and you're like, God, that dude's in everything. Yes. His name is Bruce Altman playing the one who comes and tells Tammy that they're not giving her the assistant job. They're actually giving her the dean job. This dude is in everything specifically for me. He sticks out for me from Rookie of the Year and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, but he mm-hmm. is in everything. I also wanted to mention that, correct me if I'm wrong, Stace, we've shot in Dallas. Huh. We've shot in New York. We've shot in Philadelphia. Where else Mexico. do we shoot? Mexico. That's it, though, yeah. That might be. I think there's some stuff they did in L.A., but I could be totally making that up. Maybe. But yeah, silly. Yeah. That definitely wasn't Texas. Like, you look at it and you're like, that's not Texas at all. No. No. It's too green. It's that dark green that we don't have. Although I do think the interior shots were in Texas. 
So I think that scene with Bruce Altman that we were just talking about, where she's actually being interviewed, I think that might have been in Texas. Maybe, because the exteriors were just Tammy and the other lady, so that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. So you'd be a great line producer, Dave. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Never. Okay. I love like what you were saying at the top. Like the show isn't about football. We don't have to watch so much football anymore because we get it. But I got goosebumps, man, when they're like past the field house and then the windows are open and you hear all the crowds cheering and all the guys' faces just start to beam. Oh, little Stacy's a football fan. Stupid show. Stacy, a football fan. Look at her. You know, Stacy, this reminds me of an analogy that I wanted to talk about. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. I don't have any more analogies for you. But I like that you're getting into the football part of it. And that you're rooting for I the, hate the East Dillon Lions here. You're a big East Dillon Lion fan. I just keep saying viscerally. Like, viscerally, my body reacting. I goosebumps. So stupid. See, but that's what happens is you find a team and then you kind of get attached to them. You get to know the players. You start to root for the play. It's like a soap opera, man. It's a soap opera for old farts who can't do it anymore. That's all. Sure, whatever. Uh, But aside from that, then I started crying. Again, not good with compliments, not good expressing emotion. That's me. Vince finding his mom and running up to her, and I lost it. Yeah, this final moment in this episode, they did such a wonderful job of showing the crowd and showing everything going on, and we're like, where is she? Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? And he's looking. Yeah, and we can't find her, and my heart's going, please don't do this to me, Friday Night Lights. don't." Because as I said, I don't remember how this ends. Yeah, because if she's not there, she didn't go to a meeting. Exactly. Yeah. And finally, you know, you got this heroic music playing in the background. Finally, we see her. As I said, I was hoping against hope that the rug wouldn't be pulled out for me once again by the friggin' show. And that she hadn't gone back to using. And just the two of them, the biggest smiles. And oh, God, Friday Night Lights. And I don't remember, Stace. I think this might be the last episode for Ornette. I don't remember. I might have to look that up, Stace. He's not at state? I don't know. I think maybe this might be the end of his storyline because he goes back to using. As I said, I don't remember. We'll find out on the next episode of Friday Night Lights. We will find out because I think that is it for our Season 5, Episode 11. But please join us next time for Season 5, Episode 12, titled Texas Whatever. But until then, clear eyes. Full Arts. Hey, Clear Eyes Full Arts is a podcast presentation of Blackberry Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Rastanov and Barrett Phillips, Chris and Mindy Wimmer for Blackberry Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to Clear Eyes Full Arts Pod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Stacey Ristano. And I'm also on Instagram at underscore Derek Phillips. Check us out on YouTube and BlackBearMedia.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.